0: hey everyone this is jp real quick before we start today i want to tell you about an app called train your ears if you listened to the eq episode you heard me talk about train your ears and it's an app that really helped me to get my ear around the frequency spectrum so if you're struggling to hear 200 hertz versus say 300 or 400 hertz, I highly recommend this app to you. Go to www.trainyourears.com slash MPT, as in Music Production Talks. And if you buy it via that link, we get a small kickback and we would really appreciate the support. Thanks so much and on with the show. Hello and welcome. Each week on Music Production
1: Talks, join me, Chris Jacoby. And me, JP Ruggieri. As we skip over teaching you how to make fat beats and record screaming electric guitars. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And instead, we're gonna jump straight into having nuanced conversations about producing music that actually says something.
0: If you're a musician that wants to discover how to actually record your songs in a way that you want them to sound, or you're a producer that's looking to hone your skills, or maybe you just want to hear interesting stories from the other side of the glass, so to speak. You are in the right place. All right, let's get on with the show. All right, welcome everybody to Music Production Talks. Chris, how's it going today? It's going most excellently. I know you're very excited about today's I'm, episode. I'm giddy. I'm giddy. I'm <laughs> giddy. <laughs> Chris is uh, to microphones recently as to what I have been to compressors recently except it's contagious and so now I'm starting to become to microphones what you are to microphones Uh, but I know that's uh, a big topic for you and um, I've learned a ton from you in the past months just from geeking out about it so I'm excited to kind of get into that stuff and we're actually going to spread this topic out over the next few episodes we decided because it's a it's a deep topic and um there's a lot of stuff to talk about um so we thought for this episode we're gonna we're gonna keep it um kind of in the the microphone 101 category the best that we can and uh talk about term terminology and different types of microphones. I've got four different type of microphones set up just to kind of talk into as we go along so you guys can hear the differences of them. And uh, yeah, it should be fun.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to tell you this funny story about what my first microphone. My first good microphone. I think I had like a Radio Shack Mic that literally had like a quarter inch cable or something for a minute there. And then yeah. I went to Guitar Center. I had some Christmas money or something. I got a Audio Technica. It was like a 30 something. All those mics, they're all just four digits, so I never know It's hard. Like yeah. <laughs> actually, I can't keep this straight. Yeah. It was a thirty something. Or maybe a twenty something. Like a low end. It was like a 200 bucks, something like that. A uh, large diaphragm condenser. And my friend Carrie also got one at the same time. And we were pumped. So I went home. And I set it up and I think I was going to try to like sing through it or something. And I'm like singing through my, man, it just sounds, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of roomy and like just dark sounding weird. And I didn't know what like EQ or compression did, but I was just pulling up every plugin I had and just cranking (laughs) stuff. You know, I had like, you know, three EQs on it, just high end. I was like, I think it sounds better, but it's still kind of weird. And, And I went to school and I told him, I was like, man, you liking that mic? He's like, man, it's great. And I was like, I'm really struggling with it. And um, I remember we talked about this on the first episode, you and your closet recording of course my first thought after this was being weird was like i need a vocal booth that's the problem
0: right yeah i uh
1: i took a i took a blanket off our couch like a little throw blanket yeah shoved it in the corner duct taped it to the wall sorry dad probably needed to repaint at some point um put my mic in there and now knowing about physics I'm like the the mic putting a mic in the corner of the room unless you're trying to capture like massive right. bass is a horrible idea and this thing was already so dark and weird so now it's like boomy dark room it's just awful and so my buddy comes over and he looks at it and he's like you know it's backwards right I'm like no no look right there it says Audio Technica like that's the front and he's like no dude on the other side the Audio Technica logo is on there that's the front I'm like I don't know dude we flipped it around <laughs> and he was right.
0: <laughs> and it,
1: dude, it had been like a week. It hadn't been like one day I was you messing know. with this mic. Like, I didn't figure it out for a week. I was trying to record vocals. Everything sounded kind of god awful. And uh, sure enough, it's it was me, the backside I, of the mic. That, so that's where I started. And yeah. uh, now I understand a little bit more. So, you know, we all <laughs> can learn and grow. Right.
0: Uh, that totally <clears> reminds <throat> me of um, when I first got a Cloud Lifter uh, came in the mail and I was like, sweet, you know, and, uh, plug it in and it's not working. And I'm like, shit. And it's broken. It's like brand new thing finally came in and it's broken. Um, so I emailed the company and they're like, we're so sorry, you know, mail it back. They send me a new one, plug it in. I'm like, it's still not working. And, uh, I forget what, anyways, long story short, yeah, the, yeah, obviously you need to engage the phantom power. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Did you send it back twice or something? I don't remember. It might have been, it might have been twice. Golly. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> All right, let's dive uh, into it.
0: Oh, yes. Okay, let's do it.
1: So before we get into talking about mic types, I wanted to talk about just different terminology you're going to run into. Well, that we're going to talk about here in a minute, how to, you know, distinguish all these different mics, and the first one is sensitivity. Um, and I was thinking about how to describe sensitivity, and I thought, okay, if if you were hired to do like location sound for the next David Attenborough nature documentary, I'm imagining somebody has to record. Like a butterfly coming out of its cocoon and flapping its wings for the first time. It's like to record that, it's probably like the quietest, most detailed sound on the planet. Like you're going to need a mic that's super duper sensitive. Doesn't have a lot of noise. Um, You know, is going to basically the little amount of sound that comes into it is going to put out a lot of voltage as far as the mic is concerned. So you won't need as much on your preamp. I mean, in that scenario, you're going to need like the cleanest preamp of all time. Right. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got... Like, you have to record a rocket ship taking off, right? Everyone around you is wearing hearing protection because it's freaking loud. And when you see those rockets take off, it's like you literally see the wind, like, blow across the planes. Like, that's worst-case scenario. And your only concern is, like, okay, this is only happening once. Like, I got to get it right. And if I use the wrong kind of mic, I'm going to blow everything up. Like, the mic might break. You're certainly going to distort Like, how the heck are you going to pull that off? So, in that scenario, you need a mic that's, like, really not sensitive, okay? So, that's kind of the first thing I think about when I'm choosing a mic is, like, sensitivity. And a good kind of rule of thumb, when you're recording something, if you're having to engage a lot of pads, you're probably using a mic that's too sensitive for what you're recording. And on the flip side, if you're having to crank your preamp gain past, like, I don't know, 75% of whatever its range is, you probably need a more sensitive mic. You're probably using something that's a little too insensitive, like well, we can get into specifics here in a minute, but so that's kind of the first thing you gotta look at. And you can get real geeky. You can look up the actual specs for your mics. If you have a few mics, it's probably not that big a deal. Look it up, why not? Um you'll learn something. But um I think kind of going by that rule of thumb is generally a good uh, good way to approach things and learn about sensitivity and and notice that Um, the other thing you're gonna we're gonna talk about is polar patterns Um, so polar patterns are basically what directions the mic picks up from so if you took a microphone capsule and just somehow plugged it straight into a mic cable and you didn't have the housing on the microphone you like somehow bypassed all the electronics it's going to be omni like that's the default for a microphone capsule is to pick up from every direction equally. Um, obviously that's not the most useful in every scenario. So microphone manufacturers had to figure out, okay, how can we just get it to pick up from the front or pick up from both the front and the back or whatever. So they have to get in there and they have to kind of do some trickery to make that happen. Um, and so on one end of the spectrum, we have Omni where it's picking up every side of the mic on the other end you have figure eight which is picking up equally from the front and the back and it's not picking up so much from the sides now it's all all mics are always picking up something from every side but it's they really try to reduce the amount that's being picked up on the on the sides of a figure eight pattern and then kind of in the middle of those two is cardioid and most microphones that you've probably run across are cardioid that's kind of like the default for a lot of mics which is basically the point and shoot of microphones. You point it at something and that's where it's picking up and it tries to reject everything in the back. Um, and then in between those, you have hypercardioid, which is kind of like figure eight, but it's a little closer to cardioid, like it picks up a little more to the front. There's supercardioid. Um, and the thing that you need to understand about polar patterns is when a mic manufacturer changes the mic to have a direction, it's going to introduce some side effects which you need to be aware of um so the side effects are going to uh, be like proximity effect um proximity effect is where as you get closer to a directional microphone you get a bass boost on an omni microphone you can get right up on top of it it's going to sound the same as if you were six inches away or a foot away it's just going to be roomier as you get farther away from it because it's picking up from all the different sides but that can be a cool trick with like a vocal if you don't want any of that proximity being added get right up on that mic and you can get really intimate and because you're so close to the mic uh the fact that it's picking up a lot more room doesn't really matter because the ratio of your vocal to the room sound has increased because you got closer to the mic
0: This is this is if if it's in uh, Omni mode. That's if it's in Omni. There's
1: no proximity effect.
0: Yeah, if it's in cardioid, then 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 you'll 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 hear the closer that you get to the mic, the more of this kind of bottom end, boomy thing starts to happen, which can be cool too. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And figure eight is like the most you can have. Okay. So, um, think about early days of recording one mic direct to disc, you're recording an entire big band. They often use those big RCA ribbons. Those things like if you're within eight feet of the mic, the proximity effect starts. Whereas like, I think like an SM 57 proximity starts at like an inch away. So, um, but yeah, any directional mic is gonna have some amount of proximity and you know, it all comes down to how the mic is designed. Not all cardioids have the exact same amount of proximity but it's something you um, need to be aware of. Like if it's a, if the source is kind of thin sound, you want a little more bass. you know, maybe put it in figure eight and use the proximity effect to your advantage. Or if you're man, like, man, this vocal's getting kind of woofy, back the singer up a little bit. Or if you have the option, change the polar pattern to omni or something closer to omni. Um, so it's almost like an EQ thing, right? Each one of these polar patterns will actually change the frequency response of your mic. A little bit, uh, yeah.
0: And i I think something to point out too is is in 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 terms of uh one of these patterns having the the most rejection uh, possible. That that you the, the the most rejection that you could get is the the rejection that you get on the sides from the figure eight.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Like if you're trying, like, let's say you're recording an acoustic guitar and vocals at the same time and you you don't want those vocals to come through the acoustic guitar mic, then putting the microphone on figure eight and rotating it so that the rejection, so that that side point is facing up towards the vocalist will... Cut out way more of the vocal sound than putting it on cardioid, and either having the like the back of it towards the vocalist or the side of it towards the vocalist. Yeah, it's actually kind of incredible how much gets blocked out in figure yeah. eight from the sides.
1: We'll we'll probably demonstrate that kind of thing like when we get into more multi mic stuff on like one of these next micing episodes because it's I mean it's dramatic and when you hear it you're like oh my gosh it's really counterintuitive because you think figure eight. Oh man, I'm gonna be picking up so much more sound because right. now it's picking up from the front and the back, and it's like, yeah, it's it's a little roomier, but the rejection is is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. so that's that's kind of your your proximity effect thing, and then uh, the other thing you've got to deal with with directional mics, and it's kind of in the same vein as plosives. Uh, you know, right now JP and I are talking into SM7s with big old fuzzy foam things on them so i can get really close to it and it's not getting that awful like pee popping sound um on an omni you're not you don't really get that i mean if you're blasting sound into any microphone you're gonna hear that right but it doesn't have that boomy pop to it like you get um when you're speaking into a cardioid mic or a figure eight mic um and i i don't know if that i haven't run into that issue on anything but vocals i don't know if you have no with like wind instruments or anything no yeah so it's pretty much vocals and you put up a pop filter and if you don't have that put up some pantyhose you know (laughs) (laughs) that dude i used to i'm trying i'm thinking back to that first mic i also had a clothes hanger with my mom's pantyhose that i stole out of her drawer Uh, (laughs) it's like a rite of passage um (laughs) So that's all right. So <laughs> right <laughs> the, the image of the and the, the freaking blanket duct taped to the wall,
0: dude. Great. I've totally oh, done the blanket thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I will say that um, a lot of times I do a packing blanket actually behind the singer to kind of keep the sound from bouncing around and back into a into the mic. This is a cardioid pattern we're talking about, but um, you know, so blankets aren't out of the question. It's just like the blanket off the couch just looks way less legit than like a packing blanket or something right um all right and then the last kind of side effect of making a mic directional is it changes the off axis response so when we say on axis we mean let's think about a cardioid mic it's picking up from the front you're pointing at the thing you want that's on axis anything coming into the side of the mic or the back of the mic is off axis and when you're only recording one instrument at a time it's not a big concern right i mean yeah it might kind of change the sound of your room coming in the back of the cardioid mic but once you start recording more things it's like it's kind of important what the back and the sides of all the mics sound like because they can really color the sound uh, like worst case example would be um shotgun mics which a lot of people use for you know on location sound recording because maybe you're recording in a really you know, untreated space and you've got to get this person talking. So you hang the, the boom over them with the shotgun mic. Well, those things are so directional that if you move it an inch and they're talking into the side of it at all, like the coloration is almost unusably bad sounding. Then you get it on them and it's like it's blocked out all the room. All you can hear is them talking. It sounds great, but yeah. you got to be really careful with the placement. Um, whereas an Omni mic... Sounds exactly the same all the way around it. So get it anywhere near the thing you want, and it sounds great. The room sounds like the room. Any other instruments bleeding into it sound like that. So um, it's something to be aware of, and we'll probably get way deeper into it when we get into multi-miking stuff. But yeah, um, but that's what we mean when we say off-axis or on-axis response, because certain mics are you know have better off-axis response. Certain mics have worse, and it may matter. It may not, depending on what you're trying to do. So, that's kind of all the the terms and side effects of directionality and all that stuff. Did I leave anything out? Did I go too fast on anything or? Um, no. I think that's that's
0: that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um let's move on to microphone types. Yes.
0: You want to take this for a second? Sure. Um so we thought we would we would talk about the kind of the main the the four most popular microphone types that you'll come across which are dynamic ribbon large diaphragm condenser and small diaphragm condenser um and kind of uh i don't know are, are we are we getting into the advantages and disadvantages? and or, yeah I, I mean
1: i i think maybe i'll i could just start with like dynamics and kind of talk okay, about yeah. what they're good for what they're bad for um, yeah. so uh, there's really only two types of microphones. There's dynamics and there's condensers. Ribbons are a type of dynamic and dynamics are technically moving coil dynamics, but we're just going to call them dynamics. We're going to call ribbons, ribbons, cause that's what everyone does. Um, so moving coil dynamics, uh, think like your SM57, your SM58, which probably most people, um, have. Some experience with if you've been on a stage anywhere, someone has shoved one in front of your guitar amp or in front of you to sing. Um super common in live use. Uh there I you know, one of the first things that comes to mind why they're great for live stuff is they're really rugged. Like you drop an SM57, no one cares, it keeps working. Um, fun fact, which I don't think I've mentioned on one of the previous episodes, but I might have. Oh well. Um, The president has two sm57s on his podium and has Mm. since like 1960 they used to use rca bk5s which were a directional ribbon um and they realized like okay if somebody like shoots the president from really close like it's gonna blow these ribbons up and so they got all these main, these microphones that were being manufactured at the time. Like, all right, let's shoot a gun off six inches away from it. And whichever one survives, that's the one that's going on the podium. So if there's an attack on the president, one of those mics goes to like the main PA that's going to all the people that the president's talking to. The other one goes to a little hidden PA that's inside the podium. And the thought is like, okay, there's an attack on the president. Either he's shot or not, whatever. People rush him out of the way. And now the Secret Service can jump up and make an announcement on these SM57s that are still working, no matter how close this gun went off. And if somebody like turned off the big PA, they still have the little PA and they can say, you know, go to this exit or duck and cover or whatever. Um, so that's the SM57 in a nutshell. And so where do we (laughs) typically use it in the studio is like loud shit, uh, snare drum, um, top, bottom, they get used a lot, guitar amps, um, you know, other dynamic mics that get used, kick drums, are typically like large diaphragm dynamic mics, um, usually with some kind of weird built-in kick EQ curve. Um, they get used on toms some. It kind of depends on the drummer. It's like if the drummer's flailing around and you look at their drum heads and they got a bunch of holes and I'm like, I'm not putting up the good mics. Put up some dynamics. They get hit <laughs> with a stick. They'll still work. They'll just look crappy. Yeah. Um, so that's dynamics i mean they're they're not very detailed they're uh you know they can handle a lot of sound level they're kind of noisy but when you're recording a snare drum it's so loud it doesn't matter um yeah they're they're just not that rich robust kind of sound you might get from a condenser
0: and we're actually talking into dynamics right now so this is yeah, another common they, use right and you know th- that can vary a lot but like i mean just talking about the 57 in particular um, which is really I don't know like i I, I think the 57 is, is almost kind of like a lo-fi m- microphone yeah. on on certain sources for like i I love a 57 on an an acoustic guitar which i I don't know if, if that's the most popular thing i i haven't seen so many other people do that but i really l- love that sound um, especially if it's blended in with something else but when you put a 57 on an acoustic it's like it, they're they're very mid mid-rangey yeah. they're kind of harsh um yeah. they're low-fi sounding it's like an instant vibe c- yeah. character style of a microphone versus like a condenser on an acoustic which we'll get into we'll give you more of like an actual picture of of like a, like a sonic picture of what is coming out of the guitar, like a more um, accurate representation and a hi fi sound.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Like, um, I think I think my thought with this episode is like, all right, here are the rules, you know, but also feel free to break them. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do. Find some funky old dynamic mic, you know, a lot of those old recordings with. Um, you know from the 60s and stuff like they got like two dynamic mics on the drum kit and it's like it doesn't sound like drum sound in a room but it's a cool vibey uh sound you yeah, know or, or on or the, the acoustic like go mm, for
0: it or like one record that really comes to mind when i when you say 57 is the uh, first bone bonavere album for yeah. Emma for which uh, apparently like the majority of that was recorded with an SM fifty seven which yeah, still just through blows an inbox
1: which is like not the preamp a, I would choose with that either. You know, know. it's like it's geez. sounds
0: so good that record. Yeah. And it's got so much character and vibe to it and um emotion to it. I think <clears throat> sometimes when everything is captured in a very pristine way it kind of loses its emotion to it. It's like- Kind of soulless. You know, yeah, it's like walking into a room that is like pristinely done and everything is perfect and and everything's in its place perfectly will give you a certain feeling. And then walking into maybe like an um, artist studio where there's, you know, paintings everywhere and there's paint spilled on the floor and there's, Mm -hmm. you know- canvases everywhere and paintbrushes will give you a different feeling and they're totally they're totally different um they're totally different things you know condensers i tend to think fit more into uh the former category and a dynamic is i guess in my head more of just like this kind of splattered mess yeah (laughs) but in a really cool way
1: yeah i i think for me i typically think like in terms of film lenses or camera lenses and and film versus digital you know i was watching this george harrison documentary the other day on hbo and it's like there's all this old footage and it's like oh man it looks so cool and then i i realized like well it probably just looked like normal life when they were living it but when it's captured through this kind of grainy saturated old technology it just makes it's almost like a nostalgic feeling is imparted on it just from the medium that's captured in it so yeah yeah I've yeah dynamic mics um, are great for that but I, w- I will say like I got really into the 57 on acoustic thing and at some point it's like look dude if the, if the guitarist is playing some quiet finger picking thing like it kind of doesn't work you know I mean yeah. or it wasn't for me so I went and got a condenser and it was great Um, yeah. so I would just say like Learn what they sound like, use the tools however you want. But it's like sometimes, I think, sometimes knowing like, oh, I know that I'm using like a really insensitive mic on a really t- tiny, small thing, and it's like, eh, it's not really working. I switched the condenser, and that was great. So, yeah. you know, hold it all loosely and use whatever's working. In yeah, it's got
0: to be the right part for it for sure. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, Absolutely going to move on to ribbons Ooh. um so ribbons uh don't have capsules they have elements basically it's literally just a ribbon of like foil basically i mean it's like this little tiny metal strip um suspended in the mic that's picking up the sound and because it's designed like that it's inherently figure eight um there are a few ribbons out there that are hypercardioid um i don't know how they do that but the buyer m160 is hypercardioid aea makes a few um that oh the bk5 that i mentioned that used to be on the president's podium if you find one of those Mm. i think those were hypercardioid but generally speaking they are figure eight they're um so there's a lot of proximity effect um in my mind they're great for anything kind of at a distance because of that like drum overheads or a room or something they pick up a lot more bottom end than if you put a cardioid mic in that same um place they're also super smooth and natural on the top end like a lot of people would describe a ribbon being dark right but it's not so much that it's necessarily dark uh it's more that condensers are bright brighter than it's like the ribbon is natural. Now, if you're really close to it, you're getting a lot of proximity effect and that's skewing the frequency response. But like, let's say you're four feet back from a ribbon. It pretty much sounds like what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, You want to joke about my key test that
0: I do on everything? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, there... Well, I don't know if we want to get into like overshoot and all that stuff. Probably no, not, no, no. But, but for I, this I, I, I
1: the thing is, if you if you jingle keys in front of a microphone, it yeah.
0: really is, it'll show you what's
1: going on in the high end. And with a ribbon, it's like, yeah, oh, it sounds like a set of keys. You do it yeah. on a condenser and it's like, that sounds like a bag of broken glass. Like yeah. there's some crazy stuff going on in the high end. Ribbons are just super smooth. Um, And what's cool about it is the way they handle the transient is like, which we talked about last episode, like the kind of peak initial sound of hitting like a cymbal or a drum or whatever is super smooth and like it is in real life. They're not kind of adding anything to that. Um, but they can kind of sound boring, I think because they don't have that hypey top end like we like on condensers, but you yeah. can brighten it back up and now it's like this smooth, bright yeah. top end versus a peaky top end like you might get on a condenser.
0: And I think that's a good thing to point out too is like ribbon microphones are known to take EQ very well. Mhm. Be, because of the fact that there's there's not a lot of harshness in the in the top end just um you know if, if you have harshness in the top end and then you boost the the uh, top end it's not going to sound good. Yeah, right. But if you have a, if you have a very smooth top end that you're boosting um with an EQ it's going to sound, you know, a lot better. Um but yeah, I mean a lot of times, not all the times, but like you know, one of the most uh, a very famous combination uh, to counter the, you know, you were saying sometimes they could be a little boring is is like a, a ribbon mic on a guitar cabinet with an SM fifty seven, you know, and you blend the two sounds and and you know depending on the song it's all you know dependent on the song, but if you have a very aggressive guitar part with only a ribbon in there, it might not have the same bite that, that you're trying to get. And, uh, you know, if you blend 25, 50% of a 57 in with the ribbon sound, um, all of a sudden it's like the sound is kind of, it's a lot punchier and has a lot more, uh, movement to it right and vice versa if, if, if you were just to have the 57 on the amp um, you would be missing a lot of the warmth in the body and the natural the natural sound of the guitar cabinet that the ribbon would bring you. So that could be a, a really great thing to experiment with t- with too.
1: Yeah and, and that reminds me of like brass.
0: You know, like a
1: trumpet yeah. or a trombone or even a saxophone through a ribbon. Uh, it just sounds so much better than through yeah. a condenser. I mean, oh, s- certainly so there's a place to use a condenser or whatever. If, but,
0: um, and I've, of, I've actually got a great example of that that maybe we'll get into next episode and play a clip. I've got um, actually just a clip from my record that I've been working on. We did one horn session with a condenser and then went back to reducing parts. And I brought over my coals for 4038. And, um, and because once I heard the tracks back, I was like, man, this thing needs the coals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just and, takes uh, just takes that and, oh awful my edge God, this, off. that right? uh, so much better. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. And,
1: and I, I think also, um, especially with, you know we're dealing with like acoustic instruments when we're micing things i mean in the case of a guitar cabinet i guess you know an electric instrument but it's like a guitar player i i remember this with you like and i've and a lot of guitar players are like this it's like they hear their guitar amp through this close miked mid-rangey weird sounding 57 and they're just like that's not what my guitar amp sounds like but if you put a ribbon like a foot back from that thing it's like oh yeah that's what it sounds like totally um so i think that naturalness and probably a horn player has the same reaction hearing their trumpet back through this weird, bright mic is like, eh, that's not what I've been. I've been working on this tone for years, you know, put a ribbon in front of it. It's like, Oh yeah, that's me. That's what I sound like. So, um, there,
0: there, there's a great section in, in that book that we were talking about last week, uh, mixing with your mind, um, where the author, I forget his name. What's his name? Michael, Michael Stavro St- Stavro, um, brings up a, a great little like, you know, microphone selection, one hundred and one baseline tip, which is that always just go to the opposite of what the sound source is. Like if, if it's a really harsh and bright sound source, go, go and get, you know, a darker or more natural sounding m- microphone. Like don't, don't put a small diaphragm condenser mic up on a harsh sounding source because right. it's, you're combining a bright microphone with a bright source and it's just not. Yeah. And
1: man, I, it's so true, and I feel like I just keep relearning that lesson because it's like you learn about ribbon mics, and then you get excited about those, and then you want to put ribbons on everything. And guess what? They don't work on everything. Like, yeah, right. and, and neither do condensers. It's like, um, you know, maybe maybe we can talk about that in a minute. Just kind of like building out a mic locker. It's like having one microphone is like the worst scenario because it's like the, you really need like one, like you were talking about on the guitar cab, like a fifty-seven and a, you know, ribbon or something. It's like. You need something that's bright and dark. If you have that, like you can probably figure it out for most stuff. But if you've only yeah. got one shitty Chinese condenser, like your Rode, <laughs> NT, whatever it was, like MT1. you're screwed. Like, it's just like, like you're going to find something that that oh, just sounds man. really bad on and you can't hear yeah. your way out of it because it's real peaky and gross up top.
0: That's the thing so, You
1: can't. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's ribbons. Uh, I, I want to mention one thing. I, sh- I showed you this record a while back. Um, there's an artist, Sam Phillips, who's not the Sam Phillips that founded, like, Sun Studios. Um, female singer-songwriter from, like, the 90s and 2000s. I mean, she's still active. Um, and she was married to T-Bone Burnett, and he produced a lot of her records. And she has this couple of records. One's called Fan Dance, and one is called A Boot and a Shoe. And I think what they did for that is just a ribbon mic back like three feet kind of in between her mouth and her guitar and they just got both with like this one mic and man that record and i think they use ribbons on like basically everything Mm. it it sounds like the polaroid picture of a recording you know um there's also a bob dylan record that al schmidt did my my fave and it's like al sorry bob dylan's vocal is like a big u47 it's like this big upfront, awesome condenser sound, and then everyone else is mic'd with ribbons, and they're in the round around him, and like yeah. the depth of field is so cool because the vocals like in your face, and maybe his guitar is in your face, and then everyone else is just like pushed to the back because the ribbons are dark, and they're picking up a little
0: room from everything. Which what was that the uh, the uh, Sinatra album that he did? it's think, yeah I, it's like old standards I remember, maybe it is
1: sinatra yeah, tunes yeah
0: yeah I, re- I remember reading about that it's it's that pretty setup. cool it's sounding cool. um it is cool sounding yeah. yeah so
1: that'll give you an idea of what ribbons sound like all right um oh and last note about ribbons we're kind of going in order of sensitivity like they're more sensitive than dynamics but less sensitive than uh condensers and if they're active ribbons they're a little more condenser than a little more Sensitive than passive ribbons, okay, yeah,
0: yeah, and it, it that that's when I ran into the cloud lifter situation because <laughs> I, I splurged and I got a Coles 4038, which was which was like my first big boy microphone, yeah. if you will, and um, I was like, man, I just need more gain, and so uh, that's when I, yeah, that's when so I, a lot of the time, since they are a lower output microphone, a cloud. Lifter or something that provides a clean boost can be beneficial for that yeah um yeah cool okay so
1: yeah condensers so basically there's large diaphragms there's small diaphragms um kind of just talk about them both at once i suppose um so these are going to be your most sensitive microphones, right? If we go back to our recording a butterfly for a nature documentary, um, you're probably going to reach for a condenser, probably a small diaphragm, a small diaphragm yeah, because a di- the diaphragm is smaller, right? I think a large diaphragm is any diaphragm over like 16 millimeters, but most of them are about 30. Small diaphragms are usually like 12 millimeters or something like that. Um, They're just quicker right it it doesn't Mm -hmm. take as much air to make the diaphragm move and come back to its resting place um so they they pick up a lot more high frequency detail a lot more transients um and so if if you're looking for detail that's your thing now they are a little bit noisier than large diaphragms Uh, so that's something to kind of keep in mind i mean very few scenarios in pop music where that's going to be a problem, but you know, if you're doing classical music or something, you could run into a scenario where the, where the noise might be, um, an issue. But, um, you know, uh, as far as plosives go, small diaphragms have, they're just way more prone to plosives. That's why basically no one uses them on vocals. I think Barry White used one, um, but I think that's more of like that, that kind guy of
0: makes sense though. His voice is so low and yeah, maybe it captured deep. a little
1: less bass or something. Like uh, yeah. I think sure. in his case though, it's like yeah, he like, could
0: sing like, in a paper cup and it'd be like amazing. don't 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 put uh, a ribbon microphone up to bear. <laughs> yeah,
1: to yeah, on. yeah.
0: Worst possible <laughs> choice. A
1: giant yeah, ribbon, right. lots of proximity effect. He would just sound like Cookie Monster or something. Um, <laughs> 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 um actually you probably just sound like god
0: right uh, it's not amazing still <laughs>
1: and then the other example i found when i was looking into this was the i'm too sexy for my shirt too sexy right. was a small diaphragm condenser and i think basically if you are gonna do it i i think it's like if you have like a i think like michael jackson right all those little like all those little sounds he made like that would probably mm-hmm. be pretty great reason to use a small diaphragm condenser to pick up something like that. Um, though, ironically, I think he used a lot of SM sevens, which SM7, is not very, yeah. um, uh, you know, sensitive, but, um, I think you have to kind of sing over the top of it and you have to use like a foam pop filter mm. or, uh, I think Patsy Klein used a small diaphragm condenser and the way they did it with her was like, it was like two feet over her head, just kind of pointed at her mind oh, wow. or at her mouth. Yeah. Um, But, you know, generally speaking, like acoustic plucked things where you want lots of detail, especially something, I recorded an ood once, Uh, this guy Mm. came over to my house to record violin and he brought a friend of his who had an ood. and he's like, can we mess around with this? I was like, yeah, sure. And it's like so many different tones coming off that thing. I mean, you get low end and high end and all this stuff. It's like in that scenario, a small diaphragm condenser has a lot smoother off access response And so I think it can handle like a really complex thing coming at it a little easier than maybe a a large diaphragm condenser could.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I always think of them as the kind of detail, the detail mic, right? Mike. Yeah. If you want something to capture a lot of detail, uh, you know, they're they're a great choice. Also the great, well, I I guess this would probably be better for next week, but the, uh, the, the, rejection on them is better than a large diaphragm right. condenser right. um but in we'll get into that in the same pattern right yeah yeah but yeah even if they're both in cardioid but we'll get into that more next week
1: yeah um i don't know a lot of people use them on drum overheads you know especially like jazz recordings where you're trying to get a lot of that cymbal pinginess but like we talked about with ribbons you could use a ribbon in that scenario it probably sound more like that drummer's cymbal and then if you wanted it brighter Brightens yeah,
0: I'm I I'm I'm yet to be convinced by I mean, I, a lot of people use large diaphragm condensers for overheads too. I'm Right. I don't know, I'm I'm kind of getting away from that more and more. I I just want to hear ribbons on the overheads because it, it, it's so it's good. like it's so good and you get into mixing and and the symbols are like you go. it's like the symbols are always just like biting your head off it, the further you get into the the mix versus right. if you have like a stereo set of coals on top of the drum set, it's like, Oh, this just sounds awesome. And yeah. It's great. And, and I, I just
1: got it. this, um, the AEA R88A, which great. is like a My stereo so good. ribbon. It's kind of, it's, I think it's the same ribbon that they use in like the RCA 44, but there's two mm-hmm. of them and it's not as like vintage looking or whatever um but dude we put I, yeah i sent you that file like i put it on the overheads and it was like i didn't even need a kick mic like it had so much low end it was amazing like the toms and the kicks sounded awesome and the symbols were like subdued and right where you want them so yeah i'm pretty much sold on it but you know if you want a little brighter try a condenser i mean plenty of people do uh yeah sure a lot of it seems like a lot of people use large diaphragm condensers and then in like you know music where there's just a lot of high end stuff happening you want to capture all that little the small diaphragm gets used to yeah. um so just depends on what you're working on i suppose
0: yeah probably. um
1: acoustic guitars it's a common one um i've seen people use it on use small diaphragm condensers on guitar cabs but again in that situation where they're kind of blending with something darker Right. Yeah, so, like, I, you, yeah, it's true. So,
0: I've I've tried that before, and I can't ever get anything to satisfy me. I know. I know I'm not a fan of the sound. I feel like the small
1: diaphragm condenser is either like, well, what? A, no, I like I like my KM84s, which are technically Mitchells, but they're in my possession right now. <laughs> uh, I like those on acoustic <laughs> guitar. It, and basically so everywhere <laughs> else i have tried one i'm like i hate it i've tried it on hi-hat i've tried it on yeah. snare top i've tried it on snare bottom i've tried them on uh overheads and it's just like oh, i don't know yeah too um, bright. yeah it's just too bright too pokey and then it's like i'm having to dig in with a compressor to try to lop some of the transient off and it's just yeah it's not my favorite anyway right your right. mileage may vary all right so large diaphragm condensers um they're detailed, but they're a little less detailed than the small diaphragm insert. They have a little less issue with plosives, but if you're in a directional polar pattern, you're going to have issues with plosives. Put your, put your mama's pantyhose up there and (laughs) it'll be good. (laughs) Uh, But seriously, I do like that. um, The metal pop filter. I think it's like Steadman or something makes it Mm. that, that one sounds the best to me. Like I shot it out with a, with one like you have right there. whatever material that that's more a pantyhose material that took a little too much top off for me. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, large diaphragms, man, you can use them on freaking everything. Um, Yeah. The one thing I'll say is we mentioned briefly with the small diaphragm that the off axis response is a little, uh, a little better because a large diaphragm is literally bigger the off axis is just a little wonky. Even if even in like omni on a large diaphragm, it does change as you move around. I mean it's not drastic. It's certainly still omni, but on a small diaphragm and omni, it's pretty much omni. Like it really sounds the same as you move around the mic. Just the bit I mean, I think it's literally like the acoustic shadow of that big capsule. Like it just it's it takes a second for the sound to get around or uh yeah. it's blocked so it gets a little darker on the back side or whatever but um i mean i don't know what can't you use a large diet what wouldn't you use a large diaphragm condenser on yeah
0: i mean think? they really are i mean yeah there's a reason like i feel like when a person buys their first microphone with the intention to record it's usually a large diaphragm i feel right. like um and yeah they're they're great you could do a lot with them for right. sure um.
1: Okay so that's all the different mics Do you want to kind of talk through each one of them And show what sure. they sound like Yeah let's do it So, What are, uh, what are we starting with here JP
0: uh, <laughs> Well I guess we're well, starting
1: We've been talking through SM7s which are kind of Large diaphragm dynamic mics So not very Detailed right.
0: and all Yeah that. and that's like that's the go to Podcast mic You'll like if you Listen to podcasts There's 9.5 out of 10 chance this is what they're talking into. <laughs> yeah,
1: the, the only yeah. people I know that don't do that is NPR uses mm. U87s. Uh-huh. um, So, large diaphragm condensers. condensers. They put the big pop filter thing on it, they get really close, and they roll a lot of the bass off, but they're in super controlled radio stations. Like,
0: yeah. everything's
1: right. foamed out and silent. Like, I got this annoying dog out the window that barks a lot. Like, my dog's in the back, probably like, licking her butt or something and the AC's right. clicking on and off. It's like for this, the, yeah. uh, the yeah. SM7 works great.
0: Yeah, so. exactly. And, and just to tie that all together, it, be, because it's not, because it's a, a, a dynamic mic, it's not as sensitive as the 87, which is a large diaphragm condenser. Yeah. is going to pick up the sound of the dog licking its own.
1: Well, mic. yeah. And especially <laughs> when we actually like, absolutely pummel this podcast with compression like we do so it sounds good in the car npr yeah. does not compress very much really they, i think uh. they compress like on the broadcast like as they're sitting mm. out but they don't okay. compress the individual mics and it's like if we used speak of the dogs now she's squeaking a toy back there i don't know if you can yeah. hear it maybe not because i'm using this maybe dynamic yeah <laughs> uh, but it's yeah if we If we used large diaphragm condensers, I think you'd hear a lot more room and things buzzing and things happening outside, and it would just be a mess. So, yeah,
0: there you go. So, all right, I've got four microphones. Um, I've got the SM7, which is what we're talking about, and what I'm talking on now. That's the dynamic. For a ribbon microphone, I have uh, the Coles 4038, which is a very famous and legendary microphone. It's awesome. Um small diaphragm condenser, I have the Octava um M O twelve. MK. MK. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like I feel like I'm missing something there. Oh gosh, microphone
1: numbers. Yeah.
0: I know, my God. And then for the large diaphragm, I have a flea U forty eight. Woo! Big With- <laughs> dog. <laughs> big dog. Chris and I just both looked at each other and smiled when I said that (laughs) all right so i'm going to go around and talk into uh those four microphones you can hear the differences so here's um the sm7 and i'm going to switch over to the Coles 4038 now so i'm on the Coles 4038 and i'm pretty close to it Uh, i'm about maybe three inches off so the proximity effect should be should be pretty happening um and let me switch back real quick so Here is the SM7, SM7 and back on the coals now and I'm going to back off a little bit and um, just let you hear the proximity effect. So this is about three inches and probably about a foot now off of it and I'll back up some more and of course the volume I'm just getting quieter Um, but you should hear, I'm going to get closer to it now, you should hear uh, kind of increase in the bottom end of my voice as i get closer to it and that's the proximity effect that we're talking about so yeah those are uh i'm back on the sm7 now um back on the coals now yeah i i just turned my my monitor level up on the Coles so i could hear it and yeah what kind of differences are you hearing chris well i'm not hearing your audio remember Oh, I thought you were.
1: No, because we're not doing Zoom. We're doing FaceTime.
0: I thought you were still hearing it though. I'm only
1: hearing the SM7 right now.
0: Oh, weird. Huh. Okay. Well, um, anyways. People can, t- people yeah, can make their I'm own sure, decisions about what they I'm hear. I'm sure that you're hearing a big difference. Um, okay. I'm going to go over to the small diaphragm now. So, now I'm on the small diaphragm, and there's my plosives coming through like crazy. Let me get the pop filter. Hang on. Okay. Now I am on the small diaphragm condenser. And um, just for comparison, so we could do it a, a little smoother. I'm going to go back to the Coles real quick. So, here's the Coles 4038. It's so different. Um, and back to the small diaphragm condenser. So, pretty massive difference in sound. And I'm going to go now to the large diaphragm condenser. Here I am now on the large diaphragm condenser. So, pretty big differences between all these mics. Um, yeah. Which polar pattern are you on on the flea? I'm on the figure eight pattern. Can you switch it to cardioid real quick? I can. It'll take about maybe 30 seconds, but let me do it.
1: Oh, really? Okay.
0: We'll get into that next episode. No big No big deal.
1: Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, I didn't hear them, but I know what my takeaway is. Everyone, yeah. everyone needs more mics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean... I, I, having done these shootouts before it's like the the difference between those four mics is like massive you know yeah totally and you can spend so much time futzing with eq and worrying about how your guitar sounds and she's just like just change the dang mic and boom and now it works with this one and it sucks with this one like that's usually kind of how it works yeah and um i will say um You know, if if you have the luxury of recording a whole band all at once, it's really obvious which mics are happening or not. Say, ooh, that guitar needs to be a little brighter. Let's move the mic on that cab or change the mic or ooh, the overheads are too bright. Let's change to a ribbon or whatever. But a lot of times when you're building things up uh, track by track, sometimes you kind of have a direction in mind, but somewhere in the production process, things kind of change and you arrive at the mix and you're like, ooh, that's too dark. That's too bright. And of course you can brighten it up, but the other thing you could do, you know, while you're working is throw up two totally different mics on something, right? When you're tracking your vocals, put up a large diaphragm, put up a ribbon or put up a dynamic. When you're doing your guitar, put a bright mic and a dark mic. And that way later on down the line, you can kind of, you know, change the balance a little bit if you need to. And then like, let's say on the guitar, I'm like, oh, you know what? I need a little more 57 now in the mix. And then bust those two mics to an aux channel. And then if you want to brighten up the whole thing, have at it, you know? Right. So, you know, if you've only got one mic now, maybe you've got like a 57 or something. All right, well, you probably need a large diaphragm condenser next. Or if you've already got that going, maybe it'd be cool to get a ribbon happening or a small diaphragm. You kind of just need to kind of keep spreading out the options if you have something that's insensitive get something that's sensitive you have something that's bright get something that's dark and you know then you can get into all the different shades of colors you know as you go but
0: yeah for sure
1: um that makes me think we should get to some questions that people had
0: yeah so we uh thank you everyone for the questions yeah it's Uh, awesome yeah we've got some questions to go through that we're gonna do real quick do you want to start chris um
1: sure. So the first question I'm seeing is if you had to pick one mic for the home studio, which would it be? Um I think we've already kind of touched on it. It would definitely be a large diaphragm condenser. Yeah. Mic. Uh and my my preference would be to have something with multi-patterns because mm-hmm. the patterns, because of how the proximity effect works and stuff we'll get into in later episodes when you're multi miking things. Uh, it just gives you more options. So a mic that has three polar patterns, it's kind of like, maybe it's not quite, you know, four mics or whatever, or three mics, but it's like one point something mics. You know, you have you have some more options. You can add a little more bass. You can get a little less bass. You can deal with whatever. So a, multi, a multi-pattern large diaphragm condenser would be my choice. I'm really impressed with the Mojave MA300, which is their um tube large diaphragm condenser with continuously variable polar pattern. so instead of being like omni cardioid figure eight it's like omni to figure eight and you just have a dial and it's like if you're singing and you're like oh i need a little more bass just notch it over to figure eight a little bit or closer to that or if you need a little less go to omni so that's a really flexible mic um i think they're like 1400 bucks which i realize is probably Kind of pricey if if it's your first mic. um, But they make a FET version, which is a little cheaper. They also make a cardioid-only version of both the FET and the tube, which is, you know, those are a little cheaper too. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you can't afford that, I'm sure there's something... I think the Aston mics, I haven't tried them. I've heard a lot of good things about those. Yeah, those
0: are cool. I've tried Um, those. Another, uh, like, you know, if you're looking for a good large diaphragm condenser for like under $500... Check out Vanguard Audio and they have a mic, uh, it's the V4 or something I think it's called. Um, I think it's like 300 bucks or something and wow. something like that. Is it and
1: cardioid only or is it multi-pattern?
0: I don't know. I've got the, the tube version, which is the V13 and it is continuous yeah. pattern. So like your Mojave's, um, but they make great stuff and yeah. uh, and that would be a microphone to check out as well. For
1: sure. Cool. um talk about variable polar pattern microphones and the ability to dial between the standard shapes well we just kind of talked about that um you can kind of think of that variable knob as like an eq almost i mean obviously it's going to change um well one the the frequency response is going to change a little bit right and then but also the amount of ambience coming in the mic is also going to change but like we talked about earlier it's like Okay, so now you've gone from cardioid over closer to omni. Well, just get closer to the mic because now you've got less proximity to deal with and less plosives to deal with. So now, yeah, you're in omni, you're letting more room in, but you're also getting more vocal into it. So I think it all mm-hmm. kind of works out um, to be about the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. And did we did we talk about hypercardioid at all? We can um, get into
0: that next week. It's fine.
1: Yeah. Um you want to take this next question are you
0: looking at the true thing or false yeah true or false the performance matters more than the mic that captures it 100 percent true in my opinion
1: yeah I, I got that i immediately texted the guy back i was like uh duh but i was also like look i'm a producer and an engineer and i want both yeah you know right and yeah sure one one thing i think about a lot like in between when you're kind of in between projects like i'm working on two projects right now but they're both kind of more towards the tail end of the project i'm not doing a ton of tracking it's like this is the time to be kind of doing some shootouts making sure you know your gear you got it because it's all about just like being ready for the next thing Mm -hmm. and when it's when there is a great performance happening in front of you i want to be able to capture it and make it as awesome as i can because a a great performance is going to be a great performance period but great performance through the right gear it's gonna be better like it just yeah. is like there's yeah, i mean totally. and look at all the classic records they're like the best gear in the world with the best musicians in the world it's like so th- you got to shoot for that i mean obviously there's real world constraints you can't you know buy endless amount of gear or whatever but um i mean some people can but uh jp's <laughs> determined to but uh, um, no i am too uh but yeah it's like i don't know i feel like i feel like it's kind of a cop out on both sides it's like well, the gear doesn't matter. It's like, well, it kind of matters. And like, yeah. you know, it's just,
0: uh, anyway. It does matter, but it, it doesn't mean that like if you have good gear that it's going to be good. I think that's right, what it is. And uh, yeah.
1: I have certainly heard many recordings that were made with the best stuff in the best studio at the best players and the songs kind of sucked Horrible. and the performance sucked. But it's like, yeah. you know, we're, we're capturing a moment, capture it the best you can with whatever you got. And always try to be improving What you're doing Yeah And maybe
0: you'll strike gold There you go <laughs> <laughs> um, Stereo micing Multi micing We're gonna get into that stuff Next week I yeah. believe Yeah um, Does mic choice matter at, uh, When listening to production Back on laptop speakers Well I'll let you answer that Because We um, We were talking through Different microphones Earlier in this And I uh, uh, I, I, I mean, it's a good question. I actually don't, I've never experimented with that. Um, my guess would be yes, but probably obviously not as much as, you know, listening through really good speaker system or headphone
1: system. Yeah. I feel like that question is, is kind of like the other one, the performance one. It's like, well, like does mastering matter if it's just going to come out of somebody's phone? It's like, well, the mastering engineer's job is to make it sound good on everything Right. Mm. It's like you want it to sound good through the best system in the world and also sound really good through the iPhone speaker or through earbuds or through the overhead crappy PA at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's just, and and again, to make like a film analogy, it's like you want to capture it like full HD and make it as awesome as it is. And like if somebody watches it back on their freaking Apple watch, I don't know if that's possible. Well, that's on them. You know, they're not going to get <laughs> yeah. the full experience, but hopefully they'll get part of the experience. Yeah. And um, and I think maybe it does. Like uh, like if you think about, okay, let, let, let's say um, you're recording a vocal and not that it's totally objective, but the correct choice for this particular vocal is a large diaphragm condenser. And you record it on a ribbon, which is like pretty far away from that and it's kind of dark and murky and then maybe you don't do enough eq to turn it into what it's supposed to do in the mix it's like well that's not going to translate through the phone very well right yeah so right um or sorry through the laptop speakers very well so yeah i think i think it all matters and our job on this end of the equation is to make it big and awesome and hd and then whatever happens to it out in the world hopefully it's prepared for that
0: but it's out of control right yeah that's true all right, uh best sleeper acoustic guitar mic. I kind of mentioned the 57 earlier as as a, a sl- sl- sleeper favorite of mine. I mean, certainly not for every situation, but I love that sound. I'd say a U47. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah, best sleeper. I don't know. Um I was using the km 84 for a long time. That's not a that's not a sleeper. Uh I don't know. You're probably right. 57. All right.
0: Yeah. Um, Recording electric guitar, 57 versus ribbon. We went through that earlier. Uh, Both. Also, yeah, both. Um, The 57 is going to give you a lot of attack and bite. The ribbon is going to give you a lot of uh, the body and the natural uh, character of the amp. Also, room mics on electric guitar, when to and when not to. I think the best way to get your head around room sound is just to record a bunch like just for the next year always record room sound and then get your ear around that sound and you'll start to hear it on other recordings and then you'll hear it not there on other recordings you'll be like my god that guitar is so dry and up up front and or you'll be like wow that's a roomy guitar sound and you'll kind of you know like i i think all of this stuff is like learning your, um, uh, uh, instrument, you know, like these microphones are all instruments and, and you really have to learn them. And the techniques are like your scales or whatever. It's like when, when you first learn a scale, it's like, there's not much music in there, even though it's the same notes that once you, really learn the vocabulary of the scale that the music is coming out of there's so much music in them but when you first learn them it's, it's like you know you're just trying to get your head around it all so right. get 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 your head around room sound on electric guitar and then start listening to records um with the intent of like trying to see where the room sound is and at, at some point we're going to do an episode on uh listening to music um we we did that in the first attempt of this uh, the rough draft the rough draft um and it, it was really that would, that would that that's a fun topic for me that i love talking about is just listening to music and how to do it in a, a deeper way where you'll get to pull more information out of it um because a lot a lot of the times we just I feel like music has become such a background thing for Mm -hmm. all of us, even Mm -hmm. people who are obsessed with it. It's like, I'm going to put music on while I'm doing the dishes or driving the car. Right. You know? So anyways, we'll, we'll get it up. But I would say for now, just record the room sounds and, and get your, get your ear around it. Can I jump in on this one too? Yes, please. Um, I remember kind
1: of having a similar thought early on and I emailed this great engineer, Mike Persanti, who, uh, no, it was Stacy Parrish who worked on, uh, that Raising Sand album, which came out when I was in college. I was like super into that. It's Robert Plant, Alison Krauss record that T-Bone Burnett produced. And one of the things he said to me, is like, record more than you erase. Like just get the room mic. What? I mean, so what you mute it later? Cause you don't want the room mic or you right. have it. But you're not stuck in a situation where you're going, man, I wish I'd gotten that room mic, but I don't. And then you got to yeah. fake a room mic, which is really hard to do um, well. Um, I will say, though, you know, you can get carried away with like, all right, I'm going to put 17 mics on everything. Yeah, and yeah. you don't know what any of them really sound like. Whereas if yeah, you're, right. you only have one, you're like, all right, I'm going to get this in the right spot. But, um, you know, I was thinking like having a having that AEA Ribbon mic, I'm like, dude, I'll just put that six feet back from every guitar I I record from now and it will be great. And if I don't want it, I'll mute it. And also you got to think about in back in the day and still now, but lesser, to a lesser extent, when you got a band playing in a room, you know, the drums are bleeding into the guitar mic. So the drum, maybe there's not a room mic up, but the guitar amp mic is a drum Mm -hmm. room mic. And the drum mics are a guitar room mic. And that can be a really cool sound. It's like, so you kind of got to capture a room mic if you want to try to give it some life and some bleed. And it can be really cool to take a room mic and pan it to the other side of the stereo image from where the close mics are. And it kind of feels like, ooh, it's like taking up a lot of space, you know?
0: Yeah. So,
1: you know, just capture, err on the side of capturing more, especially while you're learning. And there will become yeah. a time when you're like, no, I definitely want the closest guitar sound yeah. ever, and just commit Absolutely. to it. Yeah, um, but if if you're unsure, you know, there's no harm if you got the inputs yeah. and the mics. So, yeah, um, cool. I, yeah, I think the last thing is we put together
0: a little. Oh uh, yeah, what are we calling it? Uh, uh microphone reference sheet. This microphone is cool. reference sheet. Yeah. Um, so want to explain how you did this?
1: Yeah. So in my microphone obsession, I started wondering like, man, what are like all my favorite engineers and producers using on different sources? And Andrew Sheps has this awesome podcast. Andrew talks to awesome people. I did not mean to describe it as awesome. It's in the title. (laughs) Um, It is awesome though. It is awesome. But, you know, it's kind of, it's really long form, you know, three, four, eight hour episodes with people and they just go really deep. And quite a few of my favorite engineers or engineers that have worked with my favorite producers have been on there and run down what their kind of go-to mic setup is. Not to say that they never sub something out or whatever, but kind of their baseline, hey, you know, first day of the session, here's what I'm going to set up. And I just kind of started compiling all these in a spreadsheet. And I really started to see a lot of patterns. Like, like we've been talking a lot about 57s and ribbons on guitar amps. What I was shocked with is basically all the engineers that I really like put a large diaphragm condenser on a guitar amp. And I've never done that. I think maybe I tried it once. I was like, ooh, that's really bright. Probably because I was in a scenario where it was too early in the production process to judge where it needed to sit in the mix. And then probably I had to go brighten up whatever I did record with. Um, Mm. So it's a pretty cool reference and hopefully it can kind of grow over time. Uh, Like if there's... You know if I hear a new interview with somebody or if somebody that listens to the podcast you say hey man go check out like I'd really like to know what this person looks like maybe we can look into it and add it to the sheet and it can be a reference and I think especially as you're building your mic locker up if you look at okay well half the things here have large diaphragm condenser maybe I need that and then you know a quarter of these things have this type of mic I should probably get one of those next and I did put um, you know the brand name and whatever If you try to buy all these microphones, (laughs) you are going to spend a lot of money. Um, But I think I also put, okay, it's a large diaphragm, it's a condenser, it's a tube, or it's a FET, and it's this polar pattern, or maybe I don't know what polar pattern is, but it's multi-pattern. I think you can start to see the similarities. I think that's the main thing. Like, okay, you got 500 bucks. You can't buy a U47. But can you get a large diaphragm? Can you get something with a tube? Can you get something with multi-pattern? Like figure it out, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of the idea. Not, not a big shopping list necessarily, but a kind of a good reference for like, this is what these guys are using. And they do this day in and day out with like large sessions. So yeah, totally. So anyway, I put the link in my instagram bio i'll also put it in the show notes and maybe jp will put it in his bio as well so you can check it out there yeah and if you have any questions hit us up but i think that's
0: it for today all right we're going to continue uh getting into some more advanced topics next week on microphones so um it's gonna be fun we're gonna nerd out have some sound examples and so be sure to tune in then uh anyways my name is jp rogeri And I'm Chris Jacoby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. All right, see you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Music Production Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast and are finding
1: it to be beneficial for your growth as a musician, we would really appreciate a subscribe
0: and a positive review on whichever platform you use for streaming. Reviews and subscribes help us grow the show and rank higher in podcast search engines. Thanks so much again, and we'll catch you next time.